0: David Shoebridge joins me. Good morning, David. Yeah, morning, Marcus. Happy nice. Monday for you. Yeah, happy Monday. Hope you had a, a nice weekend. Oh, yeah. Um, it
1: was a bit of work to do, as you can imagine, but I got some time with family and um, that kind of recharges the batteries for the week. Perfect. I, uh,
0: I actually got away for the weekend. First time in more than a year, I think, that we actually ventured outside the Sydney metro area and down into the Illawarra. We went down to, uh, to Kiama and spent a night down there at an Airbnb, which was lovely, and then on the way back went to Symbio National, uh, Symbio <coughs> Wildlife Park. It was
1: great. Up in Dark Forest there. Yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. I I, I got away to the Shoalhaven, but it was it was largely for work. Where we we launched our absolutely amazing uh, Greens mayor candidate, Amanda Finlay, down in the Shoalhaven. But okay, I wish, I wish I'd been able to sp- spend a bit more time down there. It's um it's, everywhere is looking gorgeous at the moment. Yeah, Rain it is. Yep. it's just absolutely magical.
0: Nice yep. and green. All right, I know you like that colour. <laughs> yeah, by I the know. way. <laughs> All right, let's have a look. The government is planning to strip away extra COVID-19 protections that have been put in place for frontline workers because it's next to impossible for people whose job demands they come face-to-face with the public like nurses, teachers, supermarket workers, supermarket workers and bus drivers. You moved to change the law last year to assume if they got COVID, they got it at work rather than at home or on public transport. Going to and from work. The government has some highly doubtful actuarial uh, act. What is it? Uh, they've got some highly doubtful figures saying that this will cost over six hundred million bucks over the next three years. What's going on here? Yeah. Well, last
1: year, if you remember, the people who kept uh, our our cities and our towns and our state running uh, kept us all safe. The nurses, the bus drivers, the supermarket workers. Yeah. The people are putting themselves on the front line, like teachers, constantly coming in interaction, interacting with the public, um, they were very anxious that if they got COVID at nine, if they got COVID at work, how could mm-hmm. they prove it? How could they prove they got it at work rather than at home or on public transport on the way in? And the fact is, it's next to impossible. So we moved the law, we changed the law last year to say if you're a frontline worker and your job is exposing you constantly to the public. And then if you catch COVID-19, it's deemed to be at work unless you can prove otherwise, unless the, the insurance company can prove otherwise. And that was a way of keeping faith with frontline workers. Um, a lot of support last year. We got it through. And now the government is trying to wind back those protect- protections to get rid of them. And, and the reason they cite for it, the reason they give for it, is they have these, these actuaries, these actuarial assumptions. Ah, the uh, that's to what it at, is. Yep. Yeah, look at the numbers in insurance things. Mm-hmm. And and these actuaries, looking at... Um, the Doherty modelling from about three months ago, uh, on the basis that we had 80% um, vaccine coverage, they've said that oh, on that basis it'll cost some 680 million dollars. Now, I don't, I don't think that actuarial analysis is worth the paper it's written on. These same those, those same actuaries told us last year when we tried to bring in this ledge initially. When well, we did, we brought it in. They said it would cost um, up to $8 billion. <laughs> That's what they said last year. Do you know I how remember much this, that, yes. Yeah, do you know how much the entire COVID-19 compensation has cost the entire scheme um, to date?
0: Around $20 million bucks. Yeah,
1: around $20 million bucks, not $8 billion, not $680 mm. million. Now, now these, these numbers, just, as I said, they're not worth the paper they're written on. Let's look at the real experience, but more importantly... Let's back in and protect the frontline workers. They protected us. We're going to do everything we can in Parliament this week to hold on to those protections to protect them.
0: All right. You're also trying to protect uh, Pacific seasonal workers from exploitation by expanding the role of the New South Wales Anti-Slavery Commissioner to oversight the industry uh, with a close focus on abusive labour hire firms and a minority of unscrupulous farmers. Tell me about these amendments.
1: Yeah, well, there's a big bun fight in, in state politics, has been for the last three years, about getting some laws, anti-slavery laws. I mean, you think these things would be something all politicians could rally around. Laws against slavery, mm. stopping uh, products coming in that have been made with slave-like conditions and and uh, stopping any modern slavery that's happening in Australia. But no, um, we got the laws through Parliament in 2018 and then the government refused to commence them. So they passed Parliament, But because the government didn't give them to the governor for the sign-off and didn't get them gazetted in the Gazette, they haven't commenced. And a lot of faith groups, a lot of human rights groups have been saying for the last three years to the government, we need to get this started. Well, finally, we're at the point where we're having hard negotiations about amendments to the 2018 Act so that they can be in place and we can have an anti-slavery commissioner in place from 1 January. This is something the parliament has to do in the next two weeks. We've got two more weeks of parliament. We have to get this through. And as part of the um, negotiations on that, we're putting on the table expanding the anti-slavery commissioners' powers mm. to investigate and report on any slave-like, slavery-like conditions in those seasonal workforce in the country. Now, a lot of Pacific workers are losing up to two-thirds of their wages in unfair accommodation charges, unfair food charges. There's been deaths in the industry. We think the anti-slavery commissioner should be able to investigate that.
0: Well, absolutely. It'll help not just the Pacific workforce, you say, but also all those decent farmers who are having their reputations tarnished by an unscrupulous minority. Yeah, yeah, this is, this is of, of not only
1: essential to keep faith with those um, Pacific workers who come out and do this hu- hugely important work for us, get food on our tables and, and like, but also all the really good farmers who aren't out exploiting their Uh, Their
0: workforce. I mean they deserve this as much as anybody else. Yeah, all right uh, Tahi the transport asset holding entity that scandal continues Uh, I understand the former transport secretary Rod Staples uh, will front the public accountability inquiry today into this We know that mr. Staples was sacked as secretary of Transport in uh, in February of this year quote, for no stated reason, receiving a payout of more than $800,000. You want to get to the bottom of this to find out whether it was in part over the safety and financial concerns he had over this multi-billion dollar financial mess.
1: Yeah, and he has a right to come and, and tell his story, finally tell his story about what the hell was happening in transport and the New South Wales government, when, as you say, he was sacked for no reason. Now, Rob Staples is a um a highly respected public servant. I don't always agree with what he's done. You know, he did a bunch of those um um private rail network, uh, um projects he was in yeah. charge of rolling those out. Yeah. Now, um but he did it in a highly competent way. Mm-hmm. Um and he was highly respected inside um the the public service. Yep. And then, whack, he gets sacked for no reason and given an 800 grand payout um, in February of this year. Mm. Um, at the time, there was a whole lot of speculation about what it was about. We have now seen um, a bunch of cabinet documents and other, other other material produced, in fact, in large part, by a KPMG consultant um, yep. at last week's hearing. And they show that there was this, more than an arm wrestle, there was this absolute... You know, bloody infighting between Treasury and the Transport Treasury and Transport throughout all of last year mm. about moving all of the transport assets out of the agency and whacking it in this um, state-owned corporation. And it appeared, from a transport point of view, that there were major safety concerns about it. There were major financial concerns about it. There were major budget concerns about it. And and you know, a lot of that has come out to play already because in the first twelve months of this new entity holding all the assets. They wrote down the value of our, of our state rail network by more than $20 billion, just wiped it off, off the asset books. $20 billion. I mean, it's, it's just incredible. We want to hear from Rod Staples if one of the reasons he got, he got um, sacked was because he was standing up for safety and the public interest.
0: All right. Well, we'll follow that with interest. Thank you again, David, uh, for always keeping them on us down there on Macquarie Street, and we'll talk to you again either later this week or certainly into next week. Thank you.
1: Cheers, Marcus. Always good to speak. All
0: right, there is David Shoebridge.